Well, like I said earlier, this morning we are kicking off this brand new series called Overflow. And whether you're here for the very first time or you find yourself back again at CORE, man, we want you to know from the bottom of our hearts just how incredibly excited we are that you're here. And I cannot be more excited for this particular series because as we move through this series, it's going to really do two things. That this entire series is going to address this tension that exists in every single one of our lives and in every single one of our stories. But what this series is also going to do is this, is it's going to begin to also address this desire that exists in every single one of our hearts. And what I believe with all of my heart is this, is that if we become people who are courageous enough to find a way for those two things to collide in our lives, both our greatest tension and our greatest desire, it will unlock a way that we individually can change the world. This morning, you have a unique opportunity that has never been seen or done here at CORE. As Krista and I traveled about a month and a half ago and really began listening to what we felt God was calling us, both individually and us as CORE Community Church, too, we had this grand idea that we wanted to be able to, to share this next step together. And so we began to brainstorm the way in which we could make our biggest bang. And what we immediately determined was this, is that the way together we could make our biggest bang on this stage, on one morning, on this day, was for me to be a part of leading worship with Krista. And then we thought that wasn't the bang we were going for. And so we went to plan B. <laughs> And I'm so incredibly honored that Krista is going to be joining me and we're going to be team teaching this morning as we dive into this brand new series and as we look at the ways in which God was first revealing things to us and in turn what we believe with all of our heart, he's calling us collectively as Core Community Church to in this next season that will allow us to change the world in even bigger and better ways. But in order for us to do that, we must begin to address these two things that we believe with all of our heart when they collide have the potential to put us in a position to change the world around us. You see, like I said, all of us as humanity have this tension that exists in our lives. And that tension is this, is that all of us have overflow in our lives. That regardless of who you are, how young or how old you are, all of us have overflow. We have overflow when it comes to our time, overflow when it comes to our finances. That when we get honest enough and look close enough, that overflow exists in every single one of our present circumstances. And the reason why it's so hard for many of us to see that overflow is because the overflow gets eaten up ridiculously quickly. It gets eaten up by the things that we personally have become accustomed to or our kids have become accustomed to and the things in our life that have become conveniences that we don't want to give up. And yet the tension that exists in all of our lives is this, is that all of us have a choice in how we use our overflow. Will we use that overflow in our lives for our own comfort or for something greater? But just as all of us have this tension that exists in our lives, all of us as humanity also have this desire that lives deep in our heart. And the desire is this, that all of us want to live a life and tell a story of significance. Am I right? 
that no matter who you are, what your life looks like, what you've come from, how young, how old you are, we all want to tell a story of significance with the time that we have here on earth, that we all want to make a greater difference than what we're presently making, that we all want to be known for something, that we all want to leave an impact on somebody else's life and leave something better than the way in which we found it. And yet the greatest mystery in our lives is this, is that while each of us have this desire that lives deep inside of us to live a life of significance, we ask the question, how? How do I live a life and tell a story that's more significant than what I'm presently living? Because we've all struggled with our own significance. No matter who you are, I'm willing to bet that you're no different than me, that at some point in your life, you have wondered whether or not you're making any difference in anybody else's life. You've begun to wonder whether your life really matters and whether there's any more than what you're presently doing. And yet along the way, what we've missed is this, is that in order for our lives to be defined by significance, it's about what we leave that outlasts our life. That our greatest significance is found in our legacy. And yet the fact of the matter is simply this, is that we often lose sight of this because we have been fed a myth about how we develop a legacy that lasts in our lives. Our greatest significance is found in our legacy the legacy that we leave in people. And yet, all too often, we often place that significance in things that we do, right? Our job title, how much money we make, the goals that we've worked towards and we finally achieve them. And if it's not there so often, our significance then is found in, well, maybe it's what we leave for people. It's the inheritance that we're able to leave for our kids. It's the business that we pass on. It's the name that we've built. And while all of those things are incredibly important, and they're really great things, they're also things that fade very quickly. You see, our significance in the legacy that we live is not in what we do, it's not even what we leave for people, but it's what we leave in people. When we live our life in such a way that we leave something in people, it changes the directory of their life forever. And not just that one person, but then it has this ability to impact the next person and the next generation and the next generation and it spreads. And I imagine that in a room like this, we want that. We want to be a person that lives this significant life, that leaves in a significant legacy. And I also believe that it's possible for us to do that. That when we choose to live out of overflow, when we choose to live our life in such a way that we leave something in someone, it's going to last. It's going to make an impact. It's going to be remembered. And so today, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is just that. 
that our greatest significance and our legacy is what we leave in people. But when we say that accomplishing that is possible in all lives and in all story, we revert back to the question that we asked earlier. How? How do we do that? How do we shift the lens through which we look at our overflow to be one that we use our overflow in such a way that it leaves something in other people, not just something for other people? That it leaves something in other people, not just something for my job title, the amount of zeros in my salary, the last name that I'm building. And what I believe with all of my heart is this, is that there are a few key factors through which if we were to become people, both individually and collectively, who were capable of applying these few factors into the choices we make, the way in which we view our overflow, and then ultimately the way in which we use our overflow, would allow us to leave a legacy that outlasts our life here on this earth, that carries on, as Krista was talking about, generation after generation after generation, that spreads beyond just Shelby, Ohio, into every corner of our world. You see, in order for us to leave a legacy that lasts, it begins by us first understanding this first factor, that a legacy is about more than you. A great legacy is about more than just me. And you see, this truth is imperative in every facet of our life, but it is mission critical when it comes to our legacy. You see, throughout the last couple of weeks of our last series at the movies, we kept coming back to this same truth, this same sentiment, that if our lives are simply a means to our own end, our lives will always lack meaning. That if the decisions we make with our lives, with our overflow, are only about getting what I want when I want it, that it's just a means to my own end, our lives will always lack meaning. But when our lives become a means to a greater end, that's when we begin to discover the meaning and purpose that we were all created to have, regardless of who you are. Regardless of how many times you've turned your back on God or you've walked into this room and you have no interest in Jesus, what I believe with all of my heart is that all of us were created to live lives of purpose and meaning. It's what our creator desired for us. And yet being able to do that requires us to make this shift, this shift to understand that my greatest life is best lived when my life isn't all about me. That if you're a Jesus follower, following Jesus is done best when your life and your choices aren't all about you. Don't believe me? You see, if you've grown up into the church or spent any amount of time in the church, my guess is that the question you ask most often is this. How do I grow my faith? How do I really begin to follow Jesus? And we begin to believe that walking into a place like this and just checking the box on a weekly or twice a month or once a month basis is the way in which we engage in true and genuine religion. That's the way in which we engage with our Savior. And yet a couple thousand years ago, the brother of Jesus, the guy who thought Jesus was kooky duke until he went off and did what he said he was going to do, 
die and then three days later rise again and then he went off and did it and everything changed in James' life? As James looked back on the life of his brother, a God who put on flesh and stepped onto the pages of history and was charged then with walking out into Jerusalem and planting the local church in the midst of a bunch of people who greatly hated Christ's followers. This is what James derived about what true and genuine religion looks like. In James 1.27, he says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. True and genuine religion looks like caring for orphans and widows in their distress. That the way in which we signify our hearts for Jesus most is when we make our stories and our overflow not just all about us. When we care for others who are in need around us, those who are in need in our world. And it really boils down to this question. Are we willing to abandon our conveniences for the sake of other people's necessities? Making all lives about more than me requires me to take an honest look at both myself and then the world around me. And to begin to understand this, that my life and my first world problems are often full of wants. And yet when I look out into the world, the world is lacking needs. As we encounter these care points, these nations around the world that we walk into, it's what we see on full display. Seven years ago, when we walked into the middle of Guatemala City, and we saw high rises out in the distance, multi-billion dollar buildings, the neighborhood in which we were partnering to plant a care point looked more like this. The picture that you can see behind Krista is the picture of the dump right smack dab in the middle of La Terminal Market, one of the poorest neighborhoods in the entire world. It's one of the largest open-air markets in the entire Western Hemisphere. And yet this is the place where many of the families that we support at our care point, where their parents come to ravage for food on a daily basis. That they live, most of them, on less than $1 per day. This is the place where some of our families live against the walls. As you can see, tarps and umbrellas in the background. Those are their homes. Those are their shelters right smack dab in the middle of this dump. We found children at 13, 14 years old who had never been able to afford or go to school, period. Kids who were getting no meals for day unless they found something that was rotten in the dump that they could eat that wouldn't make them sick. Kids that were riddled with bed bugs that they would try to exterminate and then they would just come back because some of them lived in shanties that were no more than, than corrugated metal walls. And once you drove them out of one, it would just go to the one beside them. And once all of the fumigation had left, the bugs would just come back. And we were stepping into this situation where there was such immense hurt and such immense need that forced us to take our eyes off of our own wants and to recognize the needs in the world around us and to ask the question, are we willing to do anything to sacrifice our own convenience for the sake of the needs in the world around us? And yet this was just what we saw and experienced in Guatemala. Yeah, about two months ago, Ben and I had the opportunity to go to Uganda 
And there's no way to fully paint a picture of what we really saw. But the day we got there, we went into a community called Odadui. And we sat in this really small church, had four brick walls, and the floor was literally just compacted cow dung. And we sat with this group of people as they just talked to us about the hurts, the challenges that they're facing right now in their community. See, we learned um, that in that culture where they lived, the agriculture was everything. When we were there, um, it had been several months and they've had very little rain. And so the question of where is my next meal gonna come from? Where am I gonna get clean water? Was a question that they were facing every single day because of the food shortage. Another thing that we learned was, as we were talking to them, they were explaining that the kids in that community have to pay to go to school. And so their school is set up in terms, and so there's three terms in a year. And so the families are required to pay $1 per term to go to school. And yet, as we talked to them, they expressed how so many families in that community, they can't send their kids to school. They don't have the $3 that's required for the year. Can you imagine that? As we sat there and we had conversation with them and we saw firsthand, you can see some of the pictures, but literally the hut that we have out in the lobby, that was their home. It was just compacted cow dung, and um, that's where they did everything. They would hang up mosquito nets to try to keep the bugs out. And so we sat and we listened to story after story. And this is just such a small snapshot of what was happening there. And yet what we saw as they talked to us was this almost desperation that they had tried everything, that they had done everything in their power to try to help their kids become educated because they knew that that was the one thing that would help them get out from underneath this incredible poverty that they were in. And yet, they didn't know how to do it. And so we listened as they felt hopeless and trying to hold on with that last bit of hope and yet unsure of how to take that next step. And I think as Krista and I traveled, many of you have heard this sentiment time and time again. It's maybe you've encountered people who have gone on trips. There's this constant sentiment as people return back home that what I saw just absolutely broke my heart. And while we felt that and we've experienced that, we felt as if there was this different whisper. This whisper of not what breaks your heart, but what inspires your heart. That as you look at the hurt and the need and the desperation that's teetering on the line of falling into despair and hopelessness, this question of what can you do? Think of the difference that you could make if you were willing to sacrifice something and inject yourself right into the middle of the messes of this world. 
to look at yourself and your own overflow and to make it about more than just you. And ultimately make this choice that we talk about so often, that in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the needs that we find in Guatemala and that we found in Odadui, right smack dab in the middle of this community, who felt as if they were alone and had all of these needs and all of these challenges that they knew not how to fix, that we had a choice to either see the impossibility or to see the opportunity. That for every single one of us, as we look out into our world, and right now our world is broken, we have a choice to see the impossibility in that brokenness or the opportunity. That maybe, just maybe, God is calling us individually to make an impact on the brokenness of that world. That he's inviting us into a greater story that we couldn't write by ourselves. And yet, here's the really cool part. When you allow your lives to be about more than just you and your legacy to be about more than just you, change happens that goes beyond just the people you are directly helping. Here's what I mean. Can you imagine what would happen in your household if there was a child's picture on your refrigerator every time your kid went to get in the fridge? Can you imagine what would happen in your household if at every dinnertime meal you prayed for someone around the world? You had conversations about the needs that you were meeting, the generosity and the sacrifice that you were making for somebody else. Can you imagine the ripple effect that that would begin to have, not just in your child's life, but as you express that generosity, have conversations about it, model it to your kids, that then when they grow up, they understand the necessity for that generosity in their own lives, in their own marriage, and they pass it down to their kids, and their kids pass it down to their kids, and their kids pass it down to their kids. It's this ripple effect that just keeps going, that lasts and reaches far beyond just the people you are directly helping in the here and now. But those conversations aren't possible unless we allow our legacy to be about more than just me. Secondly, not only is a great legacy about more than just me, but a great legacy always requires reach. You see, this is what that guy that many of us claim to be following charged us with before he left this earth. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. See, God's charge to you and me was about more than just our family, y'all. It was about more than just our city. And those things are important. Don't hear me wrongly on that. Those are things that we heavily invest in around here every single week. That if you don't have kids, we have rocking kids and students' environments every single weekend in this building that we invest in heavily for your kids to encounter Jesus, for your kids to understand the importance of being in a small group, for your kids to enter into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ every time that they walk into this building. That we invest in reaching into our city in big ways through things like law 
launching a dream center that's absolutely crazy. Things like Community Impact Day, things like Whip It Weekender uh, packs, food programs around Christmas time, right here in our city. Those are things that we invest in. And yet through this, there is a beyond factor to just our family, our city, that our God is charging us with this one word, all. We are being called to go into all the world, to extend our reach, to increase our legacy. And Children's Hope Chest gives us this unique opportunity for us to extend our reach into every corner of the world. So today we're really laying out on Global Launch Day, where we feel individually and collectively as a church where God is calling us to extend our reach. And Ben shared a little bit about our care point in Guatemala. So we started partnering with them in 2016. I remember our very first trip as a team, we were walking through the dump and I was just kind of taking it all in And I spotted a little girl, and I realized, that's my girl. (laughs) That's the girl we sponsor. This little girl was just sitting on a bucket in the middle of the dump, surrounded by trash and surrounded by rotten food as her mom was working and trying to recycle goods. I remember just looking at this little girl and thinking, what hope does she have? Like, what's her tomorrow going to look like? Fast forward seven years later, there's still a lot of hurt. There's still a lot of need in Guatemala. And yet in the past seven years, we've seen God's hand at work in really big ways. Like Mark shared, we now in Guatemala, Puerto de Esperanza has their own building where they get a meet and every day kids get to come and have a meal and they're safe. Just two weeks ago, I was on a Zoom call and I was with some people from Guatemala and they were explaining that now the second floor of that building is complete. And so now they're able to add kids to the program. Yeah, we can celebrate that. So there are 80 kids, 80 more kids that are living in the dump, that are living in the marketplace, that now they're adding to their program, that every single day they're gonna know where a meal is coming from. Every single day they're gonna be taught the hope and the love of Jesus. (laughs) We're now seeing kids graduate that never thought even going to school would be a possibility. We've seen moms learn new trades, and because of that, they've now moved outside of the dump and have a safer place for them and their family. And I guess the reason I share some of this is I want you to know, Ben's gonna kind of express our our reach in Africa and what that looks like, but I want you to know that we believe that God is doing incredible things at Porta de Esperanza. And we've seen him move in huge ways, but what we also believe is that he's not done yet. 
And so we are only digging deeper there. We are going to continue to be present there and just watch God move. But seven years ago, we knew that there was this beyond factor. In fact, we kind of started with the end in sight. If you've been around here for any amount of time, what you've probably quickly realized is this, is that for us, in the best and healthiest way possible, we've never reached the finish line. There's never an enough, because there's always one more lost, always one more person in need. And what we knew seven years ago was this, is that we felt this tug on our heart all the way back then, and it's just coming to fruition post-COVID, that God was calling us to Africa. That we had this heart and this desire to be all the way across the world, making an impact in which our reach was extended as far as it could possibly be extended. And we walked into to this trip. And what we believed with all of our heart and what we were praying was, God, would you just reveal if this is the right time, if this is even where we're supposed to be? And what we felt was God speaking so incredibly clear to us as we walked into multiple different communities and saw what was there. The needs were abundant. You see, people have asked, like, between Guatemala and when you went to Uganda, like, the poverty, was it different there? The degree of poverty was the same, but the poverty in Uganda was much more widespread. That degree of poverty was everywhere. When you stand in the middle of Puerto de Esperanza and you see multi-billion dollar buildings, that is not a reality in Uganda. You drive through village after village, and it's the same degree of poverty everywhere you go. We feel like God is calling us to more. We've talked about this through the things that we've done here in this place and in our city, that we are pushing our chips into the middle. And for many of us, oftentimes myself included, y'all, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up that this might be too much. And yet what we believe with all of our hearts is that we would rather be a place and we'd rather challenge us as individuals to push our chips into the middle for what doesn't make sense to at least make an attempt, to be able to say at the end of it all, at least we've tried, even if we tried failing, because we recognize there was such incredible hurt. And so here we find ourselves believing that this is the moment God is calling us to, like Julie said, that we've been created for such a time as this to extend our reach even further than what we presently are into a brand new community, into a brand new continent, into a brand new nation around the world, and to begin to do something about the hurt that we see. We recognize that a great legacy requires reach, but also that a great legacy requires risk. That there is risk involved in this. And what we recognize is that our ability to courageously step into that risk, not just collectively, but today individually, will determine what we leave behind and the significance that we have in the story that we tell in our time here on this earth. A legacy requires risk. I don't know about you, but when I look back at my own life, the moments that there have been the most risk have often been when I've seen God's hand at best. When we look at this care point in Ota Dewey, it's a big risk. 
You see, there is no care point right now at Otadui. It doesn't exist. There's no building, there's no staff, there's nothing right now. And so we will literally be taking this from the ground up. I remember uh, one night while Ben and I were in Uganda, we were just talking that evening, and I remember saying things to him like, what if we fail at this? What if our church isn't big enough to actually complete this monumental task? I, I don't want to let these people down. And all of those what ifs are, are very real. And yet I also remember clear as day, the day that we went to Otadui, literally from the moment my foot hit the ground, I was trying my best to hold back tears as I just encountered these beautiful people. First thing we did was we were immediately singing different languages and children were shouting out and the whole time I'm just wiping tears. And as I was listening to their hearts, as I was playing dodgeball with the kids, as I was holding hands and walking with the ladies as they just shared stories, I had a whole, still a whole lot of what ifs, but I had also questions in my mind like, what if God did come through? What if this baby that I'm carrying around, what if this baby got to come to a care point? That they would have food guaranteed every day. That the love and hope of Jesus was spoken into her life. What would that do? I began asking those questions of what if God called us? to do this impossible task. But he actually came through and we conquered it. See this, this risk of starting out a Dewey, in some ways it's absolutely crazy and makes no sense. And yet what I believe with all of my heart is that when God calls me to do something, when God calls us to do something, I want to say yes every time, even if I don't know the ending, even if I don't know the results. Because I know that so often in my risk, in our risk, that's where we have the most significant legacy. As we traveled, we got to travel throughout the country and see different communities, different options. And there were some care points that had already been launched, that already had partners that were possible for us to just kind of jump in on and be a part of it with them. And yet there was just something that took over Krista and I's heart. Here was this community lacking hope. What if we as core community church could be the people that stood in the gap? 
that could instill hope back into their lives and back into their stories. And there's this second factor in all of this. That in the, the previous picture before this one, you, you saw the picture of the church that we were in, that Krista was talking about, literally just block walls with cow dung compacted floors. But on that same day, we got to go to the same sub-county, essentially the same city that's been divided into about 40,000 people in that village. And there's a care point that's been launched on the other half of this sub-county. And we got to see the pictures of this just 10 years into development. They started from nothing. And this is now what the care point looks like because of the investment of a partner in the United States. That this is a fully built care point on over three acres of land in which they are moving towards self-sustainability in just 10 years of investment. And all of this, three acres of land right next to the local school system that the kids go to every day. And so they come for breakfast at the care point, go to school in the morning. They don't serve them lunch at their school. So they come back to the care point and get lunch that they wouldn't get at home at the care point, then go back for the afternoon. And then they can come back and have health care needs met, meet with a psychologist, those kind of things at their care point. You see fully functional bathrooms, which are non-existent. They have running water. They operate on solar power. They've created their own irrigation system from, tent, uh, from tanks in which they are building now passion fruit groves, uh, banana trees. They had two greenhouses on site. I'm not sure if you can see it in the next picture. Yes, where they are building, where they take to the market out of these uh, two greenhouses, they're full of green peppers and tomatoes that every single day they're taking and they're selling. Um, And so their growth is just absolutely incredible that started from nothing and can be done like this. At an investment from us, this is how far the U.S. dollar goes, at right around $50,000. Purchase the land, build the care point, and move them towards this kind of hope. But taking that, lip, taking that leap requires risk. Fourth, a legacy requires sacrifice. You see, even considering taking the step of sponsoring a child at $45 a month is a step of courage for many of us. It requires a sacrifice of some of our convenience. When we look at it and we begin to understand that the sacrifice that's required of me is nine trips to five bucks, Starbucks, that that joke is going to have to progress to six bucks here soon, I think. That what would it look like for us to sacrifice a convenience like that, to go down a tier in our cable package at $45 a month, to know that there are hundreds of kids on the other side of the world who now through that $45 a month are getting to go to school every day, who have their school uniforms paid for, who are getting their nutrition needs met, who now have clean drinking water through a well and a boho that has been put right there on the care point for them to draw from, who have school psychologists that show up for their mental and emotional needs, who have all of these things met on top of when they go back to their huts. Every child in the program is provided a a net, a mosquito net, to prevent them from getting malaria within their hut at night by being bitten by a mosquito. That for a sacrifice of some of my conveniences, I could make a difference like this. You see, what we find is that the writer of Hebrews says this, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in needs. These are the sacrifices that please God. 
the sacrifices we make, we recognize our sacrifices that have the ability to change the world and leave a legacy. Fifth, in our lives, a legacy will always require time. You see, what's so incredible about this kind of investment is that any legacy doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen through one decision. It happens through an investment, a partnership over the course of time. And unlike compassion or world vision, this isn't just money sent to a picture on a refrigerator magnet once a month. No, this is an investment in relationship in which every single year we have an opportunity to go see the kids and families that we collectively are all investing in one community, community to community partnership. It's about a hand up, not a hand out. The Ode to Dewey, from the time that we launch it, will be set on a track that by 15 years, they will be 100% self-sustainable. That our relationship will change. There will still be a relationship, but they will no longer be drawing resources from us. They will be standing on their own two feet. But a sacrifice like that takes time. It takes an investment over time and an understanding that bringing hope to the hopeless, that changing despair into hope takes a consistent investment over time. You see, this is what Paul says about our ability to make this investment sacrifice and take this risk over time. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. For at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That when we invest over time, God does something immeasurably more than what we could ever dream or expect. And then lastly, a legacy in our lives for our future empowers others. You see, if you're a sports-minded person, what you know is that when you talk about any great athlete, the conversation always transitions to, did he make his teammates better? Your greatness is often defined by whether or not you make the people around you better. It isn't just about whether you elevate yourself or not. It's about whether or not you are capable of elevating those around us. And oftentimes, the misconception we have about our lives is that when we lift others, somehow it diminishes our value. Y'all, that could not be further from the truth. When you elevate other people, your legacy, your significance, your impact grows with that. You become greater as the people around you become greater by your risk and your sacrifice. And you see, Hope Chest is changing their model. It's something that you're going to experience just a little bit differently today as we leave, in which they are focusing more on how we empower those people and how we empower the next generation. We have a really sweet opportunity to begin to empower kids all the way across the globe. A lot of you know, we know that the kids living in high poverty, right, they don't get to make choices. They don't get to decide what they're going to eat, where they want to go to school, what they're going to wear that day. Those just aren't options. Those aren't even thoughts that they're able to, to think through. But when we're looking at this through the lens of um, a global launch day and sponsoring a kid, and we believe wholeheartedly that, that that $45 can radically change a kid's life. But Hope Chest is putting a spin on things, and they have something called the friendship model. And so what this is, is instead of you saying, okay, God, 
I'm sponsoring a kid, and then you go pick out a, a picture of a kid that you want to sponsor, you're simply saying, I'm in. I want to make a difference in a child's life. I want them to be clothed and fed, and I want them to know the hope of Jesus. But then instead of picking a profile of a kiddo, today, if you take this step, we'll actually take your picture. And what's going to happen is all those pictures we're going to collect, and they'll be sent to Uganda. Here in, in a couple weeks, in Odadui, they're going to have a ginormous party. And what they're going to do is each kid is single-handedly going to get to make the choice and pick a picture that they want to be their friend, the person that they want to be prayed over by, the person that they want to write letters to and begin a relationship with. And so I know it's a little bit of a different spin, but it's this incredible way that we get to pass the baton to kids, that we get to empower them, we get to allow them to have a voice, to make a choice that's going to impact the rest of their life in a huge way. And so we have a video that we wanted to show you today that's going to be able to explain that a whole lot better than what I can on my own. So check this out. that right after the first of the year, that if you take this step of courage and risk, you'll get something in the mail that'll tell you. I have a picture of your child holding your picture and then telling you why they chose you to be their sponsor. That this is what it looks like to empower someone else, to allow others to be elevated to your level for their benefit. You see, the reality is this is that when we structure our lives, our stories around these six things, that kind of legacy, a great legacy can never fully be measured. 
The ripple effect of this decision goes beyond right here and right now in our lives. It it ripples throughout that country. It ripples throughout our household. It ripples throughout our neighbors who show up at our house and see a picture on our fridge and begin a conversation around that kind of generosity out into the world. That this kind of legacy can never be fully measured. You'll never see how far this reaches and the impact it makes generation after generation by just one choice. You see, today we have an opportunity, an opportunity to make a difference, to leave a legacy. And yet for many, if not all of us, there's something tugging at us, attempting to hold us back. And for many of us, it's the here and now. It's the what I want here and what I'm accustomed to now. And yet what if we introduced into our lives, our stories, our heart, this beyond factor? That by taking this step, my impact, my significance, my legacy can go far beyond the here and now. By stepping outside of my comfort zone. By doing something for somebody else who needs me to stand in the gap. To leave a legacy that changes the world. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning... God, this is no small feat, no small thing that you're calling us to. And yet, God, we believe with all of our heart that you want us to experience life and life to the full, to live a rich and satisfying life, to leave an incredible legacy on this earth that extends beyond ourselves. That's about more than our job title, the bottom line of our salary, the last name that we build or the inheritance that we leave for our kids. It's about what we leave in other people, the reach that we have, the risks that we take, the sacrifices that we make. So God, in whatever way you're tugging on our heart, God, may we be courageous enough to follow that. It's in your name that we pray.